listening to the My Pet Podcast, the show for pet lovers of Australia and around the world. Proudly brought to you by Australia's trusted online pet supply store, Vet and Pet Direct. Hello and welcome to My Pet Podcast. I'm Beck and I'm joined by Dr. Glenn. Hello. In this episode of My Pet Podcast, we're going to speak about hip dysplasia in dogs. It's um, basically an abnormal formation of the hip socket. Correct. And it's something you more commonly see in your – well, you do see more commonly in your larger breed dogs, sort of your German Shepherds, Labradors. Yep. But also some little breed dogs like Shih Tzus and – Occasionally you can come through on little breed dogs, um, pinches sometimes. Yep. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's definitely genetic predisposition to it in both some of the large breeds and small breed yep. dogs, but generally yeah, a medium to large breed dog problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we get into it, just remember that this is general advice and it may or may not be suited to you and your animal. And if you've got any concerns about your animal's health, please contact your veterinarian. Correct. So, Glenn, hip dysplasia, as I said, it's just like an abnormal formation or um, in the hip joint, in the hip socket? Yeah, if you think of the hip as a, as a ball and socket joint, basically yeah. the ball's on top of the femur, on top of the thigh bone, um, and the socket bit, the, um, the cup, is um, on the pelvis there. So in puppies development i mean from sort of three months onwards it becomes more and more um visible um as far as lameness etc goes from sort of six months old onwards um that uh, socket doesn't form normally and there's more laxity or looseness within mm-hmm. the joint so the level of laxity or looseness becomes a problem where um i mean you can get a complete dislocation of the hip but it's more so a subluxation looseness of the joint that in the growing bones of both the pelvis and that um, a ball part of the joint, um, it starts to become deformed. So, so is it kind of like the ball's not fitting in the socket properly? It's, like- it's, it's a sh- can be a shallow socket, yep. um, and the um, the ball starts to get flattened and, and deformed as part mm-hmm. of the the forces that are on it. So, mm-hmm. just the the body of the dog pushing down and the leg mm-hmm. pushing up um, just starts over time to to like yeah, wear the mal- bone, malform, wear the bone, but malform yep. the, the joint. So, okay. the cartilage doesn't um, develop properly, and then mm-hmm. over time. Yes, you can get secondary arthritic yep. changes and that sort of thing. So it, it's a problem in their growth, in their development, because the bones are still remodelling and, and yep. all bones respond to forces in different directions yep. um, as part of their development. So when the forces aren't in the right um, positions, that's when you get deformity of the of the joint and it certainly um, progressively gets worse mm-hmm. you know, up until... 12, 14 months old when, yeah. the, when the hip joint is fully you know, formed through growth yeah. um, and then if it's in a deformed state at that stage, well, then you get um, secondary arthritic change and, and everything yeah. goes along with it and, and the earlier and worse the symptoms are or worse the deformity is, the, the, the earlier and more severe the arthritic change. Yep. yep. So it, it basically causes quite a significant amount of pain as they start to progress through the... Um, condition as they start to get older, doesn't it? Absolutely, yep. it can, yeah. And, and, and lameness. And lameness. And, and that's where it gets a little bit rubbery because it's not a condition that you've either got or you haven't got. Mm-hmm. Like it's not 0%, 100%. It's ever in between. Yep. So some pets um, will have, you know, significant pain when they're five or six months of age and, and that's – you know, obviously not a good sign when, when that early you've got that high level of dysfunction. Yep. Um, but a lot of pets, like, they've got more mild symptoms at that 6 or 12 months of age and only sort of start showing signs of of earlier arthritic change at, at 2, 3, 4, 5 yep. years of age. Um, so it just depends on the severity of the problem in the first place um, and some environmental factors um, mm-hmm. are um, influencing that as well. Yep. Yeah. So the symptoms are uh, lameness and basically 
pain, I guess. Yeah, essentially it's, it's lameness and pain and everything that goes along with it. So, yep. I mean, some of these pets, um, particularly if they're affected um, in both legs, which is there's not many dogs that are completely symmetrical. Like yep. sometimes there's one hip that's certainly worse than others. Um, but most of the time you've got bilateral troubles to some extent. Yep. You'll see these big dogs that have got really developed front ends and, mm-hmm. and, and less muscular back ends because part of the problem is the hip is a, a joint that's um, strongly supported by the muscular structure mm-hmm. around it. So um, if you've got a degree of instability or pain, well, the, the dogs you know might exercise less or yep. modify their gait, modify their movement, so they're using those you know, hip muscles less. Less, so um, they're pulling themselves so, with their chest yeah, more. sort of getting up with their yep. front legs and trying to transfer their weight forward, yep. um, sometimes not getting a full range of motion through their hip. Yep. So you'll see these dogs that um, sort of when they get faster, they bunny hop. Yep. Um, so their both back legs move at once, yep. which means they're um, not extending their hips mm-hmm. backwards um, and using their spine to sort of concertina up yep. like when a rabbit runs sort of thing yep. like they, they use their backs a lot more so it means that those muscles aren't getting as well developed as they should so the hips are losing the muscular support so it's mm-hmm. a bit of a downward spiral sort of thing yeah, okay, yeah. um so a lot of the time it's it's you know a combination of the actual pain that they're in but then um the symptoms progress more because of the the dysfunctionality of what's yep. going on yeah and sometimes you'll have um i mean little sort of yeah weekended back-legged dogs and sometimes their, their hocks will stick out because yeah. their knees are pointing in because that's yeah. the way that they find so it, it works the best sort yeah. of thing. And sometimes you'll have a specific like single-sided lameness if you've got a, yep. a, one leg that's worse than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Or they might be right for yeah, two or three weeks and then they'll do something and be playing silly buggers and, mm-hmm. and they'll stir up the early arthritic change that they've got and mm-hmm. they'll have a couple of days of lameness and, and then they'll you know be okay again when it settles down. So it can yep. be quite um, variable in its, pre- in its presentation. Yep. Can be intermittent at the start or, yeah. or you know, always intermittent. If, if they're yeah. not that badly affected. Yeah. 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 So it can be a little bit hard, I guess, as an owner to sort of understand what's going on at the start. Yeah, it can be. And, and, yeah. and it's hard because, um, I mean, what the bones are, are doing and what the bones are looking like, like you know, diagnostically, we've mm-hmm. got what the hip feels like and what the hip looks like on an X-ray, essentially. Yeah. Um, and... You know, you can X-ray a dog at twelve months of age, and they've got you know some mild changes, and there's scoring systems that we use mm-hmm. on on bone um, orientation and, and how uh, much of the the ball part of the joint sitting in the joint, and um, when you're feeling them, how easy it is to to subluxate or like partially dislocate the hip, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and one dog will have like quite terrible looking X-rays. Yep but really won't be very lame at all. Mm. Um, and some dogs will have um, not bad-looking x-rays, like, you know, some mild changes there, but they're really, really quite sore. So um, the presentation of what the bones look like versus take that back to the dog and what their clinical symptoms are can be quite variable as well, which which makes it a bit harder as well. Yeah. So diagnosis is sort of that um, a two-pronged thing, looking at the x-rays well, and palpation, but then also how the dog's handling the situation, I guess, yeah, pain-wise. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's an index of suspicion, obviously, that the sore they are, the more likely it is to be drawn to your attention in the first place yes. sort of thing. Um, but certainly clinically um, what's going on as far as um, you know, if you sedate these young dogs, um, you know, from three months old onwards, you can actually feel um, laxity in the hip joint if you're doing the right um, so palpation move, excessive techniques. excessive movement sort of thing. Like yeah, no excessive support. movement where you actually put the hip in a specific position, hold the, the bottom of the leg, the yep thigh bone at the knee um, and sort of push on the hip at the same time and, and move the leg in a pos- particular position and you can actually partially dislocate the hip mm-hmm. um, as part of that movement, which obviously um, is quite uncomfortable and, yep. and would only recommend doing under um, sedation most yeah. of the time. Um, but that laxity um, before you get 
bony changes on an X-ray um, is one way to you know diagnose early mm-hmm. cases and, yep. and potentially you know predict the future and, mm-hmm. and and change that outcome with a couple of the treatment options yep. sort of thing. Um, and then once you've got you know, arthritic changes, well, that's a different story because yep. um, you've already put a part way down the, the course of some troubles. So it starts with this laxity in the hip and the change in the sort of formation of the ball and socket joint, but yep. then it forms into arthritic That's changes right. and arthritic problems, which is, yeah, opens up that whole other end of it, doesn't Correct. it? Correct, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it just depends on, like, the, you got the original um, condition problem mm-hmm. um, and then the secondary symptoms and consequences of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's... I guess that's why it ends up being so painful too, because it progresses <laughs> through the stages it can, of arthritis. It can and, be, yeah, 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 yeah. And some of these dogs, I mean, they you know they've got debilitating arthritis, yes, um, and and they're very, very, very uncomfortable. And some mm-hmm. of them are you know uncomfortable to a lesser extent, but you never want them to be uncomfortable at all, yep. obviously. But there's it's just such a, a broad spectrum of of um, of symptoms and and how much it's affecting. Yep. Them. Yeah. So why why do certain dogs? form um hip dysplasia it's um partly genetic it's partly genetic we don't look we don't know the whole answer for the whole thing um because uh, certainly there's um i mean breeds of dogs that are more prone and there's you know family lines Mm -hmm. within um, breeds of dogs and there's um you know certainly for the last 30 years we've been doing the um hip scoring scheme um as part of um genetically trying to weed out um problem problem (laughs) dogs And, and again that can be um a little bit complicated in that i mean some breeds are worse than others so you know mm-hmm. um, there's an accepted you know breeding score for most breeds of dogs oh, that yeah. are prone to it um, and the x-rays are taken in a particular view and they get sent off to a, a three different um, board sort of certified vets mm-hmm. to have a look at those um, x-rays and, and give an impartial you know scoring mm-hmm. uh, view on, on their suitability for breeding and, and what the hips look like essentially um, there's the pen scoring scheme which is a, a different type of um, view mm-hmm. which you can take um, from earlier on because the hip score schemes from 12 months old yep. onwards um, whereas the pen hips are, are earlier um, through juvenile puppyhood so sort of thing so three four can, months yeah basically six months old onwards okay. um, so that can give a better indication of okay what's happening within the hips mm-hmm. now and and it's sort of like the hip scoring scheme was really for for just testing um um, parents potential yeah. parents yeah, yeah. For, for breeding suitability um, the pen scheme and the Ordolini sign which is that sedation and palpating mm-hmm. the hips um, for for laxity that can give treatment options earlier in the progression of the disease that you can actually change what the adult pelvis looks like yep. um, so the diagnostic um, tests early on um, give you greater opportunity to change what the pelvis looks like you know, in a year's time essentially yeah yep. so that's the one we do on a puppy once you've already got them, essentially. Correct. Yeah. 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 So, um, what other? So that's the genetic side of things yeah. that cause the issues. That, but there's also some environmental and life factors, aren't there? Yeah. I mean, look, nutrition certainly got something to do with it, um, and certainly excess nutrition is never a good idea. So um, fat dogs. Yeah, fat dogs <laughs> and fat puppies, basically. Yeah. Because um, I mean, once the skeleton's formed as, a, as an adult, I mean, non-specifically, yeah, the the heavier the fat of the dog is, the more mm-hmm. um, the joints are going to wear out. Um, as a juvenile puppy um, that's got you know a little bit of laxity, so looseness within that joint. If they're you know six kilos heavier for their body mm-hmm. um, frame size than they should be at that time, like if they're a fat roly poly puppy um, yep. that isn't a healthy puppy, it's a fat puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's putting extra stress on those joints that are already loose and, and maximising your chances for um, increasing deformity and, and problems within that joint. Mm-hmm. So um, in that way, um, basically, um, you know. 
feeding a puppy for maximum growth rate is a really bad idea. Um, yep. Some people that get some of these large breed dogs um, really want to have the biggest dog on the yeah. street or the biggest dog in the show ring or whatever, um, and that will cause some troubles um, when you have got the um, you know the predisposition genetically to problems if you're going to feed the dog to the eyeballs or feed the puppy to the eyeballs yep. and have it growing at maximum rate, you're just maximising your chances of troubles. Yep. So you're not going to have a bigger puppy or a bigger dog at 18 months old because yeah. you feed them as much as they can eat. Yep. Um, they're going to be um, genetically the same size, but they just fully grown at nine months of age, which is the worst thing you can do. Yes. So so diet certainly part of it. Yep. Um, you know, higher carbohydrate, higher energy energy diets it's probably mm-hmm. easy to get them big and fat um definitely there's there's an overfeeding scenario there but i mean you want to see um you know the back couple of ribs you want to be able to feel their mm-hmm. ribs they should have a waist um and, and that goes from you know a three-month-old poppy puppy onwards yep. yeah yep. so nutrition's um, a, big you know, a big factor but it's not, um, not the whole thing and yeah. we've got exercise of course is a yep. big factor and, and exercise is a factor because um that hip's such a, a, a muscularly supported joint mm-hmm. um you want you know, enough exercise to develop muscle and, and have um, muscle tone, which probably doesn't really exist, but it's really just you know, muscle mass yep. that, that can help support joints. So probably the worst case scenario you can do is have um, a large to joint breed dog that um, sits in the yard um, doing nothing all week um, while you're at work um, and does bugger all and yep. it's getting fed too much and it's fat. Um, and then you come home in the weekend and you say, right, are we going to go for a, you know, a big run or yep. throw the ball for half an hour and, and um, they've got no strength they haven't got any um uh, muscle tone for lack of a better word um to to hold those joints together and then you know engage in a um shorter burst of maximal effort intense exercise and and put maximum stress on that joint that's not Mm -hmm. in the best way to deal with it so um definitely an advocate of you know regular um exercise you know daily walks daily runs um lower impact exercise where you're not you know bouncing around being a lunatic so Um, not lots of jumping up and down off sides of walls yeah certainly not leaping off retaining walls and jumping in the back of utes and that sort of thing and realistically that's more so a front end problem of of landing on, on the front end um and we see dogs that have already got hip troubles i mean they're reluctant to jump up on stuff because yep. it's you need the back, the back legs, legs. To, to sort of to, to lift off with but it's more so going from zero to 100 miles an hour um, and not having a baseline of fitness mm-hmm. in between so certainly you know you know slow slow walks where the dog's just happy to you know walk around and poke mm-hmm. around and do um, yep. you know exercise that Gentle. is in a, a straight line um, or just covering some miles basically but which really again, is realistically in a puppy that's obviously much more ideal for not only the hips but their overall growth. Yeah, it, it is. It, and it's hard. I mean, and there's different breeds, of, you know, different capabilities. Yes. <laughs> and, and, I mean, some breeds like your you know, Border Collies and working breed dogs, mm. I mean, they probably um, – try and over-exercise themselves yep. if given the opportunity. Yep. So, look, it is difficult to make general recommendations, but, you know, a, a 10 to 15-minute walk seven days a week is far more beneficial than a three-quarter-hour walk um, on the weekend, <laughs> each day on a weekend. Yep. Yeah, so it's just that regular exercise to maintain yep. and support muscle mass um, without beating things up. Yep. yep. Okay, so that's sort of why you keep mentioning, well, you've sort of explained the hip scoring situation now. So... Um, what's the best way then to, I guess, try and avoid a situation where you're buying a puppy that um, is likely to have an issue? You want to see the parents hip scoring? Ideally, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, if they're a breed that's predisposed to hip dysplasia, I mean, the only um, – uh, 
way that you can start to make them less likely to have troubles yep. is um, yeah, hip score the parents. So parents. they've got um, been through an evaluation process where um, they've been independently evaluated yep. for how um, suitable their hip profile appears to be for breeding. At this stage, there's no genetic test, so you can't run a DNA test on, on um, parents, parents and say, okay, this pet is more or less likely yep. because okay. there's there's just more factors um, yep. involved in that and um, there's, um, I'm sure, people looking for that. But yep. um, as uh, most things in the veterinary industry, there's only so much research dollars yeah. to go around and, yep. and there's not much of a, a financial imperative yep. to, to potentially do that work. So, um, yeah, we might have a DNA test to give some indicators yep. in the future, but because it's a, there's not going to be a single gene for, okay, if you've got the gene, you've got dysplasia, and if you it, haven't yeah. got it, yeah, so it's, it's nowhere near going to be as simple yeah. as that. Um, but yeah, hip, hip um, scoring um, and, and elbow scoring, which is a, yeah. a different factor in, in parentage, um, is certainly a good idea. I mean, if you don't, if you want to minimise your chances of having a dog with hip dysplasia, I mean, don't get a large to giant breed dog. So you, it's like German Shepherds, Labradors. German Shepherds, Labradors, Newfoundlands, Rottweilers, yep. um, Mastiffs. Great know, Danes have the same. Great Danes, yep. yeah. I mean, all your large breed dogs, I mean, a little bit in the Dalmatians, you yep. know, cattle dogs can get it. Um, any, and ragdoll cats, for example. Yeah, yep. some of the cat breeds can, yep. can have some troubles as well. Um, Shih Tzus tend to be a bit prone. Yep. Um, so it's not just the medium to large breed dogs, yep. but it, it's, you know, more common. Nine out of ten dogs with hip – sorry, 19 out of 20 dogs with hip displays, I see, a medium to large breed dogs. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and, look, some of those breeds have, have made significant inroads through the, the hip scoring to, to make things, you know, better. To um, weed and, out those and we've, and we've seen, you know, some um, – change in in direction as far as um, being less likely to pass that on but it, it's not 100 percent. that's for sure yep. yeah so okay so say we're unlike lucky enough to see our puppy or our young dog sort of displaying the symptoms of the lameness and um sort of i guess the wastage sort of look on the back end that they can get and yep. um dragging their legs around or seem to be in pain what can we do okay so i mean there's lots of th- things you can do and it depends on the severity of the disease um what symptoms you're seeing in the dog um how deep your pockets are for bank balance wise to some to some extent because some of, i mean there's surgical interventions that can certainly um change the outcome mm-hmm. um of of the problem um and with some of those it's the, the early the intervention um the more successful it can be to mm-hmm. um help st- Lowing down or, or changing the direction of the disease mm-hmm. to some extent. So a lot of these treatment options are sort of determined by when the condition's diagnosed, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Yep. So is it? Um, I mean, if I had a you know breed of dog that was genetically predisposed mm-hmm. to troubles, um, there's certainly um, I would never say don't go and get them assessed by someone mm-hmm. that knows what they're feeling and talking about as far yep. as um, assessing hips um, for the Ordolini sign, which is that um, how hard is the hip to dislocate yep. essentially from, from three, three and a half months old onwards. Mm-hmm. So that early. Yep. Um, yep. So, and if they've got a significant um, positive sign, then, well, okay, there's a discussion of do we do preemptive surgical procedures that are less invasive and less problematic than some of the later surgical mm-hmm. procedures? Look, and it's a big discussion to have that you've got a four-month-old puppy or I want to cut its pelvis yeah, open yeah. Um, and do surgery on it to prevent it from having a problem that it hasn't got yet. Yes. So it's got laxity, but you haven't got arthritis and you haven't got any of the other troubles and it's still only a, you know, it's a 
fourteen kilo puppy mm. that's going to end up as a as a Six forty kilo, kilo yeah. puppy. Um, but that's the time that's that you can make the most changes with the least invasive surgical procedure that could stop you having to do a hip replacement or a you know much larger surgical mm. procedure down the it's track. It's a hard call. It's a hard call. Yeah, it's a hard call. Yep. And that's where you know, uh, yeah. Um, GP vets um, that yep. are well versed in seeing these puppies all the time, yep. um, or, or specialists that are well versed in, in doing those procedures yep. and diagnosing what puppies are suitable for those procedures, because you can do a, a procedure where you actually um, uh, cauterize or uh, prematurely fuse the the pubic symphysis, so mm-hmm. that the surgery is just going in at the, the base of the pelvis, basically, and using a, a cauterizing um, tool that you use for stopping. Burning, burning blood vessels yep. essentially in surgery um, and prematurely fuse the, the bottom growth plate mm-hmm. in the pelvis. That's got to be done early enough while the puppy's still got enough growth potential to happen mm-hmm. and it actually changes the angle of the, the cup part of the um, mm-hmm. the ball and socket joint and, and gets it facing in a downwards direction effectively yep. so it more effectively holds the, the ball part of the joint. Yep. So, I mean, realistically that's got to be done you know before six months of age okay. and preferably before five months of age to, to be effective. But it is a, a, a less invasive procedure with less potential uh, complications and cost than mm-hmm. the next procedure, yep. which is if you get to you know six to eight to nine months of age mm-hmm. and you've got a diagnosis where you've got laxity and you've got the start of the changes that make it's suggestive that this puppy's going to end up with so you know, moderate to the severe. The start of the bony changes? The start of the bony end. changes and, and just, again, the laxity, so the looseness yep. within the joint. Um, and on x-rays you can see um, the joint just you know starting to become malformed, mm-hmm. basically. Um, the next procedure, which is a by far bigger procedure, um, is a triple pelvic osteotomy where you um, – See, that get, sounds scary. It is. Yep. <laughs> um, you get a surgeon to go in there and, and cut the pelvis in three places. Wow. Um, and on each side. And plate it up. Oh my gosh! Yep, put some hardware in there to to again rotate that cup part of the pelvis yeah. in a downward direction. So you're potentially you know changing the whole anatomy of the pelvis to make hip dysplasia um, less likely to happen and, and slow down or stop all the secondary negative arthritic change and everything else that go along with it. So know. if you have that surgery done, mm-hmm. say. And you've got the plates and all this hardware in there. Yep. Is that it? That once that surgery is done, that's done, or is it something? Hopefully, yeah. I mean, okay. that's the idea. But you're trying to stop um, that severe deformity from yep. from continuing to develop. Yeah. So again, I mean, that's a major undertaking. Do you have a guesstimate of how much that would cost? Oh, eight to ten thousand dollars. Yep. Okay. A specialist in Australia, I would think. Yep. Yeah. So that's yep. that's and it's both sides, and it's yeah, it's a really big procedure, and, it- and there's probably about fifteen hundred dollars worth of the actual hardware. Yeah, involved right. like the, the you know specialist um bits of titanium and stuff yep. and, and the bloody screws are like 50 bucks each yep. and all this sort of stuff like this is crazy um how's the dog recover from that i um, just like is it with confinement and and like yeah. you've got yeah three um fractures in your pelvis yeah, exactly it's i mean it's it's fairly traumatic surgery to yes. do it so yeah they're, they're sore and sorry and they've got really good pain relief and and their yeah. confinement and there's a you know six to ten week recovery yeah. period of restricted exercise and, and everything else that goes along with it and and look it's not without potential complications um as are any surgical procedures yeah. so that's why we leave that for specialists to do that Same. they're doing them on a regular basis sort of thing but again another hard decision to make because it is, cause it, the problem isn't there that's like, right sorry the signs of the problem are there but, but they're all not the and everything else sick. isn't there yet? Yeah, but that's the time you've got to preemptively <laughs> stop the problems from happening um, yep. that are potentially going to be disastrous for the dog's welfare in the future. Is it yeah. so? At that stage, is it potential that is it 
they definitely like they've got these changes, they've got these signs. It's going to be a problem, or it, yeah, it, it's going to be a problem. You can't exactly say, you know, how much when it's going to affect them. It's very likely it's going to affect them significantly. If yep. if you know, if you if you're lining them up for a triple pelvic ostomotomy, yep. they've got some quite significant signs mm-hmm. of of hip dysplasia, as yep. in the laxity um, and looseness yep. within the joint, and you know the time frame, the age that you're doing it. They've probably got the start of some changes. Okay. are visible on X-rays as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, but again, it's it's preemptive to some extent. Like you still do the surgery later on as well yep. um, but it's less effective because you've already got all the secondary changes going yep. on yeah so and then so that's the one that you're sort of looking around the nine month age yeah i mean months. while they're still developing yep. basically to so, try and stop the all the secondary stuff from yep. happening yeah so what if it's not picked up until they're fully grown so you're looking at after your 12 month or so uh, after 12 months of age when they're fully grown you can't um other than again doing an osteotomy and changing the, the orientation of the yep. pelvis, um, you've got more limited options. If once you've got you know secondary arthritic changes and that, yeah. that you end up with a flat ball part of the yep. joint basically, so you, you get um, leveling of the femoral head yep. um, where it just becomes this flat thing, mm-hmm. and then you get all osteophytes and, and extra yep. bone growth around it, and, and the cups malformed as well. So yep. I mean, from there, if the you know, level of dysfunction and lameness and pain is bad enough, then you're starting to look at um, salvage procedures to try and um, get mm-hmm. the joint to be less painful um, or, you know, some of them are lining up for um, full hip replacements um, full because hip replacements. the, the, the um, hip is so dysfunctional mm-hmm. that the likelihood of a happy life um, is not very good exactly, um, yeah. and um, and doing a full hip replacement um, and everything goes along with that. How much is full hip replacement oh, worth, do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, 10 to 15 probably, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a pretty major undertaking. Yeah, and, you know, would be. Again, not without potential yeah. you know, catastrophic complications, is, which are very unlikely, but could happen. Could happen. Mm. Is amputation then of, oh, an option that comes in? Not a great option because they're probably half buggered in the other hip as well, um, and that's going to cause a problem. Um, so, yeah, amputation is rarely indicated um, because they're large breed dogs in the first place, and, and um, if one side's quite dysfunctional, the other side is likely to be dysfunctional as well. So, yep. yeah, terrible option most of the time. Yeah, yeah. it would be. Um, there's a, like a, another salvage procedure which is just um, you know, involves um, cutting the nerve to the hip joint, mm-hmm. um, so surgically you go in there um, and again I've never done one I don't want to do one oh. um, but yeah the specialist will, will um, cut the nerve that goes to the hip joint so, so it stops the pain stops the pain it's still crashed in there um, and yeah that's potentially a problem so um, but, it, but it, it makes them more comfortable because they just yep. can't feel um, how bad it is yeah okay uh, I guess yeah okay that kind of makes sense I guess yeah. but it still doesn't work how it's meant to work obviously. correct yeah yeah but they can't feel it. So. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's it's it, it, you know it, it helps improve the um, life of um, some patients, and, and that's why it's recommended. Yep. Yeah, it's really full on. Like, I mean, if you're listening to this, you'd be going, "Wow!" Like, you really don't want a dog that's going to have hip dysplasia. No, and look, and that's the thing. Like, it's and that's you know the dogs that um, you know have got a bad enough problem to yeah. um, potentially recommend that, um, and it's adversely affecting their life to that extent. Um, and where you know money wise, you know, it's a it's an option because they, yeah. they are you know invasive procedures that um, the specialists are doing, and 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 there's you know lots of hardware and and hospital care and drugs and medication yeah. and and um, specialist techniques and mm. um, yeah money that goes along with it yeah. essentially. Yeah. So we have spoken a little bit about the secondary um, complications to the hip dysplasia, which is basically arthritis, isn't Correct. it? Yeah. So they're going to end up like a normal arthritic dog that gets it in their elbow or in their yeah. hip or their knee or whatever. They're also going to be struggling with that on top of their condition. Of yeah, the and that's where, I mean, a lot of the pain comes yeah. from is, is the secondary arthritis that develops because of the problem in the first place. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's um, 
treating the problem before it causes a secondary mm-hmm. arthritis. But, I mean, you know, dogs that are uh, lesser affected and aren't surgical candidates, mm-hmm. um, I mean, basically arthritis care in general yep. is, is the most um, important from way. From an early to, to age? Depends, yeah. Yep. So if they need it from an early age, absolutely. Um, and yep. some of the, you know, joint support like, you know, fish oil supplements to uh, have an anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. effect to um, you know, ease um, inflammation and discomfort um, would certainly be beneficial. Um, a multitude of joint supplements yep. containing, you know, glucosamine and chondroitin, that sort of thing, like your yep. foresight and um, uh, joint guard and, and heaps of different supplements yep. these days, Sasha's Blend and Pernier's, all those yep. um, supply the, the building blocks for the cartilage to, to hopefully develop, have yep. um, somewhat of a protective effect mm-hmm. um, for arthritis that hasn't uh, hasn't developed yet and, and treat some of the arthritis that's already yep. there. Um, there's injectable medications um, that, that vets will um, prescribe and yep. administer um Penicillin is the, is the yep. active ingredient, like your Zydax and Cartrophin. Um, they are very effective in improving the blood supply of the cartilage mm-hmm. and the lubricating effect of the joint fluid. So they can certainly change the outcome for, for arthritic patients. Yep. But if you've got, you know, a, a severely deformed femoral head and, um, and chunks of bone hanging off it and, and chunks of bone floating around the joint, um, any amount of extra lubrication in the joint can have, you know, a, a, a minimal effect sometimes. Yep. But by the same token, you've got front legs are doing more work because the back legs are sore you know if your left yeah. left legs a lot worse than your right leg well the right legs doing more work so it's yeah. going to wear out faster so um, you know would always recommend you know chondro protection so yeah. certainly joint protection there yeah. is never going to do any harm and um, it's important as, as part of what's going on mm-hmm. yeah. and of course your um, other arthritic measures so your Making sure they're not fat, overweight, absolutely. Keeping a good exercise program going with them. Yeah, because you want you want to be a comfortable enough to to maintain that muscle mass because yep. the loss of muscle mass is a massive problem in these yep. dogs because um, whatever the hip looks like on an X-ray, if you've got less muscle to support that mm-hmm. joint, um, you can um, know that that joint's going to wear out faster and, yep. be, and be more uncomfortable. So that's where like your, your anti-inflammatory pain relief definitely yep. comes into it with some of these dogs that if they're not on anti-inflammatories, they're more uncomfortable, so they exercise less, so mm-hmm. you get more muscle wasted. Yep. You want to maintain that muscle mass and you want them to be as comfortable as they can be and you want them to be comfortable enough to exercise. Yes. Like it might not mean that they're going to be playing fly ball or doing no. you know competitive active sporting, but a nice um, low but, impact walk. But they can you know still run around the yard yep. and still go for walks and that sort of thing. And you want them to be able to to maintain that muscle yep. mass. So because you know. the muscle mass is, um, you keep saying it's the supportive thing. It, it sort of holds that hip joint and the Absolutely. socket in the right place, yep. so it's not sort of slopping all around. I yeah, guess yeah. So. Look, it's it's a massively. Um, supported joint by muscle like yeah. we do on smaller dogs and cats and, and I've seen it done on some large breed dogs um, yeah. you know, a while ago now before there was less surgical interventions yeah. um, is um, osteotomies where you actually cut off the ball part of oh. the ball and socket joint so um, you're actually doing an osteotomy and, and not replacing it with anything so you're leaving oh. um, the end of the thigh bone floating yeah. in midair with some muscle um, sort of sewn into the, the socket basically um, wow. and we do that quite frequently on um, I mean some uh, fractures of the femoral yep. head and neck in, in smaller breed animals and, and phleg perthes, which is a disease that some small breed dogs get where the ball part of the ball and socket just dies and, and you've got a big chunk of dead bone in there um, and there's there's no hip replacement um, bits and pieces. Like There's no hardware available for a dog less than yeah, like okay, yep. 17 kilos. So um, there's no option other than cut off mm. the ball and socket joint and these dogs run around quite happily yep. um, without any 
bony connection. Yep, because um, the muscle so, supporting because it. the muscle supporting yep. it. And there's a functional aim because the leg's a little bit shorter. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's it proves that the the joint is you know massively supported by the, by muscle, the muscle mass that's around yep. there. So the more you can keep that muscle mass, the the better they are. Yeah. Yep. So I guess um, with all that in mind, like clearly hip dysplasia is not a nice thing, and it's a going to be an expensive long term. Um, problem. Yep. So prevention-wise, we've touched on it. The most important things are, uh, well, try and get a dog that's bred from um, parents that don't or that have a good hip score, yep. if possible. If possible. And um, you can't cha- – once you've got your puppy, you can't change that's the genetics. Right. So, you've got control over diet and exercise, essentially. Right. So um, exercise them moderately, consistently, regularly yep. um, to maintain muscle mass um, and have them at a body weight that supports growth and help the body yep. function but not excess fat tissue essentially yeah. yeah and if you've got any any inclination at all or if you've got a medium to large breed dog realistically that's prone to mm-hmm. hip dysplasia in general um, an assessment at that you know 12 to 14 week old stage um, have a discussion with your vet at you know at a second it's puppy vaccination, vaccination. Yep. you know is there anything i can do to help out mm. um, and and a recommendation could be okay i think we should you know check this autoimmune yep. sign um check the laxity of the joint in the next month or so um and potentially refer you to you know a specialist that's doing yep. that you know on a regular basis and um and discuss what your options are if yeah. you've got a positive sign there you know and, and again none of them are um, a simple um procedures no, but you know a, a burn out their pelvis um, ligament yes, and fuse their pelvis early, you know, it could be a $2,000 procedure that saves you a $10,000 mm-hmm. procedure down the track and, you know, potentially a lifelong trouble. Yes, exactly. Because um, you, you can get, you know, very good as in like a 70% reduction in um, further deterioration of the joint yep. symptoms as opposed to not doing it where you get like a 50% to 70% um, where they get a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. So, you know, it can early intervention can make a significant difference but it is, you know, it's a major undertaking to do surgery on what at that stage um, is a happy, healthy mm. puppy. Yeah. 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 So definitely um, you need to speak to your vet and then obviously the specialist that you're then sent on to discuss it with yeah. and really um, weigh up your options, weigh I guess. Options, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, a, yeah. It's a big decision to make. Um, and every puppy will be different. Correct. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, it's a little bit tricky. It's actually <laughs> – quite horrifying what they do to their hips in the surgery but <laughs> yeah and, and, and obviously you don't like doing it unless they need to no um but it's something that you know it's it's a consideration um for some people with some dogs um yeah. and if you you know have got to the 12 month mark well it takes those couple of procedures off the table um, yes, because the damage right. has already been done so yep. um you don't want a musician of well wasn't i told about that six months ago exactly. when i could have made the decision myself yep mm. Yeah, something um, definitely to keep in mind if you're thinking of getting a large breed puppy. Yep, absolutely. For sure. And yeah, no fat dogs. No fat dogs. Yeah, Glenn's big on the no fat dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that comes into most of our conversations. Bang on about it yes, all the time. He does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's all we got on hip displacement, yeah, actually. Yeah, a bit of an interesting it, topic. It's a big topic. It is. Yeah. yeah, but very interesting. So something, yeah, please keep in mind if you're thinking of getting a large breed puppy at any point. Cool. Thanks, right, guys. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah. Thank you.